Welcome to the interview chair. My name is Jimmy Casas and I am your host. Are you an educator who is currently feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, or wondering if you can continue to do this work? Visualize yourself back in the interview chair. You are genuine, sincere, and full of passion. You convinced the group of people that you were the best person for the job and you believed it. That is the real you. Thank you for joining me as I take you back to the interview chair to remind you of why you wanted to become an educator. Welcome to episode six of the interview chair. Today's topic, the power of why times three. I'm a Simon Sinek fan. I don't know if any of you are Simon Sinek fans or not, but in his book, Start With Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action, he talks about People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. He goes on to explain that the secret ingredient behind successful leaders is the motivation behind their actions. Instead of thinking about what they do or how they do it, their focus is on the why. In other words, the why of the work. What is your purpose? What is your cause, your belief? Why do you get out of bed in the morning? And this does not only apply solely to leaders, but teachers and yes, students as well. In my daily work today, I encounter students and educators on a daily basis who have lost their passion for the work and school in general. Students, teachers, and administrators who are walking into school each day doing their best to get through the day, oftentimes checking the box and then grinding their way until the end of the day. Sadly, they get up and do it all again the next day almost like a music playlist on repeat. I agree with Sinek's thoughts on the power of this one simple but powerful word, why. However, over the last, I don't know, decade or so, I feel like I've reflected on his work in this notion of why, and I now see it different. I see it as a framework to help reframe my thinking when it comes to the behavior of people in schools today or any organization for that matter. My takeaway is that when it comes to leadership, if there is one thing that remains true after all these years, it is that people will behave however we allow them to behave. Think about it just for a second. You're sitting in the interview chair and the question has something to do about an employee or a staff member who is underperforming, in other words, not doing their work. There isn't a single one of us who would have said, well, I would just ignore the behavior and let them keep doing what they're doing, or I would allow them to continue to be negative or be toxic or gossip about people or just not do their job or be mean to kids. Not a single one of us would have said that. But yet we can look around our organizations today and guess what? There are people behaving in ways that are not so great. My intent is not to state that we should be controlling of others. That's not what I'm trying to say here. Rather, it is to emphasize the importance of understanding the why behind someone's behavior, the why of the response. I believe that at its core, culture equals behavior. Just look around. Observe the behavior of students and staff members, and that will tell us most of what we need to know about the culture of our schools. However, in my experience, healthy cultures go beyond just observing, right? They invest time in others to understand the origin of that behavior. In other words, they are purposeful in building relationships with others to understand why people behave the way they behave. 
If you recall and culturize the fourth core principle, be a merchant of hope, it reminds us that people want to be great at what they do, right? Nobody wakes up and says, guess what? I think I want to just suck at my job today. No one's doing that. But if we look around and we recognize that whether it's students or staff and they're not performing at the level that we want them to or expect them to, then I think we need to try our best to understand then why. Why are they behaving that way? And when we try to better understand the reason behind the behavior of others, I believe we're more equipped to provide guidance, influence thinking and emotions, and help them reframe situations in a way that helps them discover a more positive path forward. So the power of why, in other words, the passion, the power of why, the behavior, and the third component and the final one lies in the task, the why of the change. Too often, I believe we ask people to do something without clarity. And when people don't understand the why behind a task or an initiative, think about that. How many times are we asking people to do things in our organizations? We start a new initiative and people are not clear why we're even doing this. And they'll do it, but they'll not be invested in it. And therefore, we will not achieve the results that we hope for. A lack of clarity when working with students, staff, and families, I believe, promotes confusion, anxiety, and eventually causes people to hesitate for fear of doing something wrong. For you Brene Brown fans, remember, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. I believe that's what she's saying. Listen, when we're not clear, it causes people to hesitate. They pause. There's trepidation. And therefore, they can't bring their very best. They have anxiety. And eventually, they lose confidence. And that's what I believe she's talking about. I remember it was my second year as a principal, and I had been charged by my superintendent at the time to implement a new initiative that would require every student in my building to have what they called an ISP, an Individualized Success Plan. And these plans were to include both an academic and behavioral component. Ironically, I remember I'd been pretty vocal in our administrative meetings during my first year as a principal about the need for such a plan to support our students. I was excited when he announced over the summer entering my second year that we all would be expected to put a plan into place. And I'll be honest, I could hardly wait. Like I had all these thoughts and ideas running through my head. Uh, I think I'd written notes down describing how I was going to make this work. I worked diligently that summer to have everything ready to go in time for the opening of school. And I still remember, like, I introduced the plan at the beginning of the year faculty meeting. I assured everyone that this was going to be great for all of our students. Honestly, I gave what I thought was a powerful message on why I thought we needed to do this. And I told them not to worry and that more details would follow in the coming days. And the fact that there were only a couple of questions from the staff members in the attend in that were uh, attending the meeting, um, it left me feeling confident, if I'm being honest, and that this was going to be a game changer for the students that we served. Well, it was a game changer, all right, but not the kind that I envisioned. Within a couple of weeks, I was receiving pushback from many of our staff members, including my best teachers, who I was convinced would trust me and be on board. I could not understand why they weren't buying in. I was so disappointed. I still remember being, being very frustrated and quite frankly, just angry at them. But rather than go back and reflect on my practices, I chose to blame them. 
How could they not see that this was the right thing to do for our students? If you recall back in episode three, when I talked about perimeter leadership versus inner leadership, well, I was clearly on the perimeter. The truth is I hadn't been clear. I hadn't included any of my staff members in the planning, and I certainly hadn't given them a voice. And if I would have done those things, it would have helped bring clarity about the change. And because I didn't do a very good job, obviously they hesitated. And it was in that moment, if I had followed my own advice, which I'm trying to share with you today, I should have asked why. So here is my challenge for you this week. Do your best to identify students and staff and families who are struggling, but this time ask yourself this question. Did I invest time to understand why they're behaving the way they're behaving? Why do they no longer have a passion for learning or teaching? Why is their current behavior not at the level we expect it to be? Why are they not doing what we ask them to do? My friends, we cannot allow our understanding of the power of why to be casual. When we are intentional, I believe we can help others find their way back to their why. So next time, start with this framework, but this time with the goal of helping them understand why others behave the way they behave so you can inspire them back to greatness. My friends, it is time to recalibrate. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I hope that you will join me each week as I take you back to the interview chair. Because I know this, that when you sat in that interview chair, that, my friends, was the best version of you. Be sure to check out my website at jimmycostas.com backslash the interview chair for links, resources, and show notes. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Casas underscore Jimmy. If you enjoyed today's show from the interview chair, subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. 